Hello, everyone. This is Lance Mullen, host of the MSU WMA podcast. Today, we have joining us special guest Joshua Langford. Josh is a former MSU basketball player and captain who came in as a McDonald's All-American five-star recruit. During his time at MSU, he scored over 1,000 career points and averaged 10.1 points per game. He also received awards for MSU co-best defensive player in the 2017-18 season, as well as the Stephen G. Scores Inspirational Player Award in the 2018-19 season. Stay tuned to hear about Josh's story of overcoming adversity with success in his career. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. Today we have special guest, former MSU basketball captain and star player, Josh Langford. Josh, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, so do you want to just start kind of giving everyone a little bit of a background of maybe a little bit of your playing career kind of coming into MSU as a freshman, star player, um, walk us through that and then a little bit up to maybe when you hit, hit that injury bug and some of the challenges that came along with that. Mm-hmm. Man, so that's a, that's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can just start with kind of coming into MSU. What were your yeah. expectations? What was that like? Yeah, well, coming into MSU – um, I was coming in as a McDonald's All-American. I came in with what some people would call like the class at that time when I was coming in. It consisted of me, Miles Bridges, uh, Cassius Winston, and Nick Ward. All three of those guys are still, they're, they're playing professional. Um, and so coming in, you know, we were a very high, highly touted class. And so honestly, my expectations personally was to, you know, be able to come in maybe two years, no more than two years at least. <laughs> and just being real, you know. Yeah. Um, and then go play professional because no other schools that recruited me outside of Michigan State um expected me to be in college for longer than two years. That was the conversations that uh that I had with them. And so that was kind of my goal because I had a vision of getting to, it wasn't that I didn't care, I didn't care about education. It wasn't that I didn't think education was valuable, but I just had a mission and a vision for myself at that time in my life. And that was to be the best basketball player I could be. And I felt like that, that meant me getting to the NBA. Mm -hmm. Right. So the expectation I had was to come in and just do big things, you know, win national championship, win a national championship, go to a final four, um, which that did happen, but it didn't happen yeah. the way I thought it would in terms of going <laughs> to the final four. Uh, so my freshman year was definitely, it was definitely an eye opener um, just because, you know, my expectations were here and then reality was kind of like here. And so I came in and I had just, I had kind of a, a wake up call. And things didn't necessarily go the way I thought it was going to go. We were a very talented team, but we were just young. And so that was a very tough season for us. Um, and then personally, I had a little physical challenges that I was trying to overcome, just getting used to playing the college game. And, yeah. you know, it's such a different pace. It's so fast paced. And, and so everything about me was getting adjusted on top of the fact that, um, you know, I was coming from Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama, because that's where I'm from. Sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't say that before, but I was I, I was coming from Huntsville, Alabama, yep. into this kind of climate where it's a bunch of snow. <laughs> and I remember looking out of my window um, one morning, and I seen a lot of snow, and I'm like, okay, they, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get an email, right? I'm going to get an email, <laughs> yeah. and somebody's going to tell me that my classes are canceled, and so never got the email, bro. And I'm just like, yo. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, what is what is going on? And so I got my Tim, my Timberland boots and, you know, went to class. But so it was just a, it was just a big change for me coming in from, 
Alabama um, into Michigan and then also coming in from high school basketball, even though I was a highly touted athlete into college basketball because it was just a different game. Yeah. Um, and you kind of talked about a little bit of the expectations, you know, that that big class coming in um, and how you didn't really expect it to go um, kind of like start off super fast. But yeah. then you ended up starting quite a few games. What was that like when you just started playing and had success? Man, it was it was great. Um, because. Like you said, that's a I mean, that's a great. That's a great opportunity as a freshman to come in. And I think I pretty much started. I mean, I would say at least 95%, 96% of the games. Um, but going back to expectations, yeah, awesome. right? So the expectation I had was that I was just going to go in and just go crazy. Mm -hmm. But my expectation was so, it was like so strong in me that I couldn't even really realize the fact that, okay, you are a freshman coming into the Big Ten, one of the toughest conferences in NCAA yep. basketball, and you're actually starting. You have an opportunity to start under a Hall of Fame coach for a Hall of Fame program. And so and so many times, like in life, your expect your expectations can be so high and mm -hmm. not that you shouldn't have high expectations, but they can be so high that you miss out on like the great achievements that you make. So it was like yeah. my expectations were kind of blinding me from the great achievements that I was actually being able to um, make yeah. as a freshman that not every freshman, you know, gets to actually say that, OK, I came into a college and I started and I contributed on a very high level. Yeah. Um, and then. Going into your sophomore year, what was that like, that off season? You know, you had some success, but it wasn't what you came to do. Um, and then going in, still had that big class, more recruits coming in, a lot more mm -hmm. expectations. What was that like? Man, that was – it was a great year. Like, my sophomore year was a really – it was a great year, but then also it was a letdown year because, you know, we lost um, – I think it was to Syracuse in the second round. Yeah. But that year we went 30 and five, I want to yeah. say. We won 30 games. And on top of the fact that we were kind of going through a bunch of different just adversity with um with the stuff that was going on with, with the school at the time. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of challenging and you know, coach was kind of taking some backlash because of some things that he had said. Uh, and so it was kind of like every day when you came into practice, because of the atmosphere that we were in at that time, the, the climate that the university was under with all the different things that were going on, mm -hmm. we didn't really know how things were going to how things were going to be with the team and how people would respond to us. And so everybody in the locker room was just kind of like, um, you know, what's going to happen? Like, but the fact that we were able to still play um, the way we play and, you know, achieve the things that we achieved. I mean, we went to the PK 80, we won the PK 80 that year. Yep. Uh, we beat, we blew out Notre Dame that year. Um, Cause that was like, I think Notre Dame may have been number three. They were like top, top yeah. five I think at that time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so like we had a, a we had a bunch of good games put together. We had a really good year as a team, even though we didn't make it to mm -hmm. make it past the second round. I mean, as a team, we did really good. And then as an individual, you know, personally, I feel like that sophomore my sophomore year was the year where I was really beginning to get my feet under me. And yep. I was I got more comfortable with just like the culture. Uh, of Michigan State basketball and I, I had a better understanding of the system and I had more confidence because I'd already played you know so many games as a freshman the year before yeah. so it was like things were beginning to build up for me uh, personally and then it, like I said as a team it was just it was exciting to play we had Jaron Jackson we had Miles we had Nick yeah. we had Cassius and Tom Tom was leading us with his leadership and mm -hmm. Matt McQuaid was like we had such a deep team that 
even the people that didn't start that were coming off the bench, they could have went to any Big Ten team sure. and started and contributed like on a very high level. So that sophomore year, it was kind of like it was kind of like a year where like I was like, okay, things are really beginning to rise up a little bit. Yeah. And if you do you want to kind of walk us through um kind of that you had all these expectations, you had a great season, and then you get to the tournament. And you guys end up slipping up against a team that you would probably beat nine times out of ten. Um, do you kind of want to talk about some of that adversity? What do you do after that? Like, what's what's the mindset of that? Yeah, well, I think for starters, um, you know, when you think about adversity or challenges, usually adversity and challenges, they come – or you face challenges when the thing that you feel like you can actually do, you can actually do it. So a lot of times you don't really meet resistance if you're just doing something that, you know, that you don't necessarily have the the wherewithal to, to actually do it. But when you have the capacity to actually achieve high level things and you're really pursuing that, mm-hmm. you know, nine, t- 10 times out of 10, or at least 9.5, times or 9.9 times 10 you're going to meet adversity and so you know when it comes to like what we experience as a team you know I think you really have to we had to look at okay we didn't make it as far as we wanted to make it you know we didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily fulfill the expectations that we had for ourselves now that doesn't mean that we don't you know hold ourselves to that standard but at the same time we don't want to get so caught up on that standard that we forget about what we actually accomplished. So going back to what I was mm-hmm. saying personally about myself and this, I feel like this is just a life. You know, this is just a life lesson that, that you can have. Yeah. And this is something that you can get like in every aspect of life because everybody has expectations and everybody, you know, has um, dreams and everybody has goals that they set out for themselves to achieve. And usually when you don't achieve those things, you feel like you maybe set the standard too high or you feel like you maybe set the standard too low or you feel like you didn't do enough. But sometimes things just don't work out because life isn't about perfection. Like, yeah, you can do everything right. And sometimes things just don't work out the way that you want Mm -hmm. them to work out. And that's okay. And the biggest thing is is being able to look back, you know, after it's all said and done, look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, did I do everything that I could do to put myself in the position to be able to fulfill the expectation that I had? And so mm-hmm. when, you, when you talk about us as a team, if I look back at that team, my sophomore year, we did everything that we could do to put ourselves in the position to fulfill the expectations that we had. Could we have did something differently in the game? Yes. Could, did we mess up in the game? Yes. Mm-hmm. But everybody messes up, mess up in the game. Like, it's a it's a perfect game played by imperfect people. Yeah. So you're going to see mistakes. Things are going to happen. Coach may make a bad substitution that he that that if he looks back over the film of the game, he, he, he sees like, okay, I could have subbed better or I could have. You always see that. But all yeah. in all, you know, I think as a team, we really put ourselves in a position – to be able to fulfill the expectations that we had. And we just fell up, we just fell short and we ran and we couldn't make a shot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Those things, some of those things are out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. And I, I really like that, that viewpoint. And no matter what, something, you can do everything right and everything might not work out the way you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then yeah. going off that season into that off season, what was that like? You know, you lose Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, a couple of these big name guys. What what was that like going in? Like, I have to be this guy. I have to be, I have to be the leader. What was yeah. that like? Well, honestly, it was. I think it was like anytime you go through change, it's always challenging. Because if you think about the dynamics of our team, the the main, like our, the meat of our team 
you know, even when you think about Tum Tum, you think about uh, Cassius Winston, you think about Miles, you think about Nick, you think about Jaron, um, the meat of our team. Well, not I'm gonna say Jaron because Jaron came in his Jaron came in his freshman year, my sophomore year. But if you think about like that class, um, we had kind of created some foundation together. Like that team from my freshman year to my sophomore year, you know, we had some people to lead um, after my sophomore year. But those people, we had kind of developed some kind of like connection and some kind of camaraderie. And so when you have, you know, Ben Carter leave, who was a senior, then you have Gavin Schilling, mm -hmm. who was a senior, who left. Then Tom, he left. And then Miles, Miles decided to leave. And then Jaron decided to leave. And then... Um, Nick stayed, Cassius stayed, um, but it was a lot of different moving pieces. And so it was just kind of like, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna mm -hmm. get back to where we were just, to where we just was after we've kind of lost, not everybody, but, you know, intricate parts to yeah. our team. And like, to your point, it was beginning to like, it was a season where, okay, it was time for me to step more into a leadership role and to take more of the weight of, you know, leading the team, not just, um, you know, offensively, but also vocally in my communication, in my demeanor, in my attitude. And so I was excited because it was something that I really always wanted to be on the, for the team. Um, and, those first two years, I just had to fulfill my role and the role that was best, um, that was that was given to me that would help the team the best. I had to accept that, as mm -hmm. challenging as that as that was a little bit, because yeah. you know coming in as a as a guy who is highly touted, it's not easy accepting your role, but it's very important to accept your role. Yeah. And so it came time my junior year where like my role increased, it expanded, and so. You know, I was like, let's go. I was ready. Mm -hmm. and, and I really came out. Um, I hit the ground running my junior year. And everything was really clicking the way that I always envisioned um, yep. things click. And um, eventually, I think it was 12 games into the season. It was just after I came off a almost a 30-point game against Texas. And... After that game, a lot of people were really beginning to notice the kind of player that I was. A lot of people were saying that, you know, I was beginning to demonstrate all American like um, attributes. Yeah. Uh, and after all of that, <laughs> I, I met the like you said earlier. I met the injury bug, and that was just crazy, bro. That was crazy because going back to expectation, I feel like our conversation is still, yeah. it's like, it's been around expectations since the time yeah. we started talking, but going back to expectations, right? I had an expectation that, okay, this was the year that mm -hmm. I was actually going to demonstrate who I really felt like I was internally as a player and who I knew I could be. And soon as I was beginning to step into that more and more, I hit a wall. Yeah. And that wall was hard, bro. <laughs> I'm sure. I can yeah. only imagine. What was that like? You know, you end up hitting a pretty rough injury and like right in the middle of a great season. What was that like? How do you deal with that? Yeah, man, it was. It was very challenging and going back again to like expectations, a lot of times you you just have things to, to take place in life that you just don't see coming. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, students, for example, we're in, we're in the, um, the time where everybody is preparing to take exams. Everybody's preparing to do um, projects and writing and uh, papers and things like that. And so you put all that time into, into doing the best, you can on that paper or on, you know, that exam or on that report or whatever you have to do. And then when you get a chance to actually do it and you get it back, you don't necessarily get the grade that you felt like your investment mm -hmm. proves that you should get. And so it was two things that I had to deal with. 
I had to deal with the fact that I didn't feel like my investment, I didn't feel like I was getting a return on my investment because mm-hmm. I put a lot of time. And then I also had to deal with the, the unexpected. Like I had to deal with the fact that I came into this season thinking that I wasn't going to get injured. I was taking care of my body. Going back to what mm-hmm. we said earlier, I was doing, I was doing everything that I could potentially do that I had control over. And then just boom, here comes this injury. And it was very, it was very hard because I just I had experienced injury in my high school career, but I didn't experience injury to the point to where I was sidelined um when I was actually beginning to build momentum in my yeah. basketball career. And so thinking that I was going to thinking that I was going to actually get to play after I found out that I was injured the way I was injured, that was tough too, because I went through a process where I was just in the boot. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, you know, day-to-day rest and we just kind of see how it goes, but it didn't get better. And then when I found out I had to have surgery and then when I found out that that surgery was going to cause me to miss the whole season, that was really challenging. And you know, I had a GA at the time. We had a GA at that time. His name was Chris yep. Fowler. And he was somebody that I had spent a lot of time with. And we spent a lot of time in the gym together. We had a lot of conversations um, even before I got injured. And so we really, at that time, we had we really grew um, a very close-knit bond. And he really helped me through my injury at that time because – he encouraged me to see that what I had to offer um, to the game or to the team rather, wasn't Mm -hmm. just limited to my talent on the court. He encouraged me that I could use my voice that I could still contribute to the team, even though I couldn't contribute to the team the way that I thought that I could or, or the way I wanted to. And sometimes in life, you can get so, caught up to you can get so caught up in you know what you can do that you forget about the other things that you can do so for me I was so focused on the fact that okay I can really do well for the team on the court with my skills but I didn't see that I could really do well for the team off the court with my voice and so that season of my life going through that injury, it was very, very challenging emotionally and mentally, but it also gave me an opportunity to see myself in a different way. And going back to your question earlier about adversity, sometimes adversity can be um, a gift because what it does is it gives you the opportunity to evolve and to change into something or to someone that you never really thought that you could be. And so that injury, that first injury that I went through, it really gave me the opportunity to evolve into more of a, a person that um, that that knew that basketball was something that I was doing, but it wasn't all of who I was. And so that was the beginning of me beginning. That was the beginning of me um, really just stepping more into using my voice and yeah. seeing myself as a leader, not just on the court, but off the court. Yeah, and that I believe that was the year that you guys made that Final Four run. What was yeah. that kind of like being yeah. kind of on the sideline, having that different role? Were you kind of like yeah. feeling more like a coach? Or what was that like being also a player, but also being able to help these the guys on the court? Yeah. Can I, can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say nothing crazy. I'm just going to uh, – Cause you look like I was going to say something crazy. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> crazy. Um, but I remember against the Duke game, I remember that after that game, do you remember that game when we went, when we beat Duke in the Elite Eight? Yeah. That was the game yeah. before the Final Four. Yeah. Up until that point, I was really in tune into, to, your, to what you just described, my role. Like I was really – um, like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step into this, this, this role that I just been given 
in terms of being that, you know, that player coach or whatever you want to call it for mm -hmm. the team. But when we when we got to do when we got to the Duke game and we won, I was excited that we won. Yeah. But I was also hurt that I couldn't contribute the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my trainer, our trainer at the time, Nick Ritchie. And he kind of we spent a lot of time too, because we were flying back and forth to to get my foot looked at and we were doing things uh, for my foot and because he was the medical trainer, he was the one that was going with me and, you know, stepping into these different places with me. So we spent a lot of time together. And so we mm -hmm. just kind of began to get a better understanding of each other. And so he, he knew me. And so yeah. he, he was the one that actually looked at me and he asked me like, are you okay? And I can't remember the conversation, but I do remember that conversation actually giving me the space to be honest about how I felt emotionally and how it was challenging to be a part of a winning team. Yeah. Even though I was a part of a winning team. Does that make sense? So like I was yeah. a part of, I was a part of a team that was winning. It feel, I believe it it feel weird. Like you're there but you're not part of what's going on. Yeah, so it felt like that's what it felt like, and um, it was challenging for me. While at the same time, I was very excited that we were actually going to the final four. So, like, what yeah. do you do? What do you do? Like, when the team <laughs> that you're on is being successful, but at the same time, you feel kind of conflicted because you wanted to be a part of their success in the way that you thought you would. And that goes back to expectations, how we've been talking about the whole time where, you know, sometimes the role that you feel like you're supposed to have in life, it may not necessarily be the role that you, um, that you want in life, mm -hmm. but just because it's not the role that you want in life, it doesn't mean that that role isn't being impact like it isn't impacting people in a positive way so mm -hmm. I was I was being impactful on the team but it just wasn't the way that I thought it was going to be and so that was I was really wrestling with that a little bit um while at the same time I was excited that we were that we were moving forward as a team and you know I think when you just think about leadership um because we're all leaders Everybody has the, like John Maxwell, he talks, he has this quote that mm -hmm. basically says that leadership is simply influence. And so every human being has the ability to influence. And so because we all have the ability to influence, that means we, we're all leaders. And so when it comes to like living a lifestyle of leadership, I think sometimes you have to be okay with accepting a role for a particular season in your life or a particular moment that doesn't necessarily align with your expectations because maybe I don't know maybe we wouldn't have went to the final four yeah had I still been playing because that may have that may not have given some people on the team the opportunity to like step into who they really were to actually be the best they could be for the team. Like if you think, look, if you look yeah. at Aaron Henry, right? He came in as a, that was his freshman year. He had no expectations. I feel like, I don't think mm -hmm. he really had any expectations. I don't think the coaching staff really had any expectations yeah. of him, um, of him playing as much as he was playing. Maybe that was his sophomore year, not his freshman year. I, I, I believe it was freshman year. I freshman think you were year? right. Yeah, okay, I yeah. think so. So nobody really had expectations for him to, to play um, as much as he played, but he did. And look what that did for him as a player. And then look what that yeah. did for us as a team, you know? So, and that's, that's just one, that's just one point that I'm making where, yeah. you know, sometimes the role that you, that you have to take for a particular time in your life, even though it doesn't align with what you thought, it can really make room for somebody else to yeah. actually step into more of who they can be. Do you want to kind of touch a little bit more about that? Like, obviously you had like the ex expectation that you were going to be in this role and other guys have to step up. How does that, how do you encourage those guys to play at that level and kind of take over a role that they weren't supposed to be in and, 
Um, do you want to touch a little bit, maybe a, someone in business, like looking to get that shot at some new, new job, new promotion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a very good, that's a very good, uh, good question. Um, It was, I'll go back to what I said earlier. It was challenging because like I said, I had a vision for myself, but when it comes to being, cause when it comes to being a leader and when it comes to understanding that leadership isn't about you, it's about the vision. Well, the vision for the team at that time was, and it's what it, what it always is, is to, you know, win a, win a final four, win a big 10, win a um, national championship. And so I had to step aside. I had to step outside of myself and say, okay, is this about, like, am I going to make this about me or am I going to make this about the vision? Because yeah. if I make it about me, then I won't encourage Aaron or whoever it is that is for, is filling in for me. I won't encourage them to the degree they can to the degree that it can actually benefit him and then also the team. But if I make it about the vision, I will. And I'll be able to lay aside my own ego and my own desire to be that one that is seen per se. And mm -hmm. I'll encourage Aaron and I'll, you know, I'll lift him up to the degree um, or to the point to where it's helping him be the best he can be the best Aaron he can be. And then also, it's helping the team be the best Michigan State men's basketball team that it can be. And so when it when it comes to um, stepping out of a role and having to let someone feel that role that you're in, um, I think it takes a lot of humility. Mm -hmm. And humility isn't something that you try to do. It isn't like, oh, I'm just going to be humble. I'm not going to. Humility is simply submitted. Humility is simply when it comes to business, I think humility is simply um, pursuing the vision, regardless of what happens. Yeah, so I like that. Regardless, regardless of what ha like regardless of what happens, I'm going to keep trying to pursue the vision, whatever that may be. I'm, I'm going to keep trying to fulfill that vision. I'm going to keep staying true to the vision because that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. But if I began to make it about me and I and I began to make it about what I want, then I put myself in the position to actually be the reason why the particular business or the particular team isn't as successful as it possibly can. Because I still had a role. It just wasn't the role that I wanted it to be. But just because I didn't have the role that I wanted, it didn't mean that I still couldn't contribute to the team fulfilling the vision. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. No, I like that. Um, and then through that final four run, that had to be just awesome. Uh, obviously came up a little bit short, sadly. Um, but yeah. then going on the following year, you guys brought back that core group that you talked about and, you know, you were kind of still battling that that foot and surgeries. Were you kind of expecting to be able to come back and join that team? Or what was that kind of like battling with the foot injury? Yeah, I was definitely expecting to come back and join the team. Um, and it was crazy, too, because like a, a preseason ranking that came out for players and I had made the rankings. Even mm -hmm. though I'd only played 12 games that season, um, that previous season. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, we, yeah, we, we ready. Like, we coming. I'm coming. Yep. You know what I mean? So I was going through my recovery process. And in going through that process, it never once crossed my mind that I wasn't going to be able to play after I came out of that process. Like, it never once crossed my mind. But yeah. What happened was my foot was still bothering me a little bit. And I kind of was like, okay, well, maybe that's normal because the doctor had told me that, you know, it, it could potentially give you a little bit of discomfort because you haven't used it for such a long time. 
um, you know, you being out basically almost, you know, six to eight months. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of, and some, and part of those months, you not even, li you literally not even walking on, you're on a scooter. So mm -hmm. coming back, he was like, it may give you a little bit of discomfort. So I was like, okay. And, so, but I end up feeling that discomfort, but it just wasn't feeling right. And so I went to talk to my trainer and he and I were sure that, you know, everything was good, but he was just like, okay, well, let's go get a, let's get a, get an MRI of it to just kind of yeah. see, um, just for GP, just for good purposes. Yeah. And, you know, lo and behold, my foot was fracturing a different way. Oh. And, bro, that was like, that really knocked the breath out of me. And, you know, I... I know that the only reason why I was able to make it through that because emotionally I was just devastated mentally. Sure. Yeah. Mentally I was, I was devastated. It was just like somebody had took, somebody had like took my heart out of my body and mm -hmm. I was trying to like find it. Yeah. You know, that's the best way I could describe yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just very challenging, bro. And um, when I look at <clears throat> when I look at that particular season of my life, I think the only way I got I know that the only reason that I was able to make it through that um, was because of like my faith and then also the people that uh, the people that I had in my life, including like my teammates and my coaches and my family and you know other mentors at that time. Yeah. And so once that happened, you're kind of like out for the season again. Do you kind of still take on that coaching role and kind of be along with the team? Did you just kind of have to embrace that again? I could have. I think that would have been the best thing for me to do. But to be honest, I didn't. Just being 100%, like I was still yeah. a part of the team. But if you look at the differences between the years, right? My junior year when I got injured, I sit at the front of the bench. Mm -hmm. My senior year when I after I got injured, I sit at the end of the bench. And so I think one of the things that I really learned, you know, about that, about myself and just about life in general is how important it is to um to really take care of yourself emotionally. Yeah. Because Looking back on it, I now know that I was, I was like in a state of depression. Now I wasn't like I wasn't clinically diagnosed, yeah. But a particular thing had happened, so it was kind of like a situational depression where something has happened, and because something has happened, it has really, it has really done something emotionally, and that's what happened with me. Like I was really in a state of depression because. I had had these plans going back to our previous conversation when we yeah. early in our conversation about my freshman, my freshman year, what I thought I was going to do coming into college. That didn't happen. Yeah. That's one expectation that was just like thrown out the, thrown out the window. Then yep. going to my junior year, I had more expectations that didn't happen. So that's, you know, that's something else you yeah. can throw out the window. And now I'm here at this place again, and it's happening again. And so emotionally, that just really, it just really um, knocked the wind out of me. And I think because I didn't take the time to actually, and everybody around me was, was like very helpful, but because yeah. I didn't really know personally, like the importance of actually taking care of yourself emotionally, because I didn't know the importance of that. I didn't take any steps to making sure that I was healthy in that place. And so because I wasn't in a healthy place, I could no longer be the best version of myself for the team, even though I still had a role on the team. And so mm -hmm. even when it comes to like business or when it comes to like your, your professional life, it's very important that you understand that, um, you are a person outside of your job. You are a person outside of your profession. Yeah. And if you don't take care of yourself emotionally, 
And if you aren't really take, if you aren't really paying paying attention to that part of yourself, then eventually it's going to bleed off into your profession and it's going to bleed off into your business. And you won't be able to fulfill the role that you have to the best ability, yeah. uh, to the best of your ability. So yes, I should have been that same guy that I was my junior year, but because I didn't take care of myself um, emotionally, I couldn't. Yeah. And I didn't and, know to. Yeah. And so when you're kind of like, I feel like when you're thinking about all that, all the time, like you had the expectations and then you're sitting there like, were there any thoughts of, am I going to play basketball again? Like, is that yeah. going through your head too? Like, how was that? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely, bro. I, I definitely. I'm sure like that had to be a thought in the back of your mind, like pretty scary if that's what you do all your life. Like, to see yeah. that not happening is, yeah. I'm sure, very scary. It is, bro, because what you said is something very, um, very like impact profound. It was a part of my life. It was all of my. It was my life. Yeah, you know my my identity was so intertwined with the game of basketball that when these things happened or when these injuries took place especially the second one, it was just like, man, what is life? Yeah. You know, what is, what is, you know, what do I have to offer to the world? What do I have to offer? Because what I know to be my identity has been taken from me. And so no, mm -hmm. I can no longer say that this is who I am because my injury is showing me that it's not who I am. My injury is showing me that it's just something that I do and it's not who I am. It's just an opportunity for me to express who I am. And so for because sure. I never had that, because I, I used to say that a lot, but because I never believed it when that time, when the injuries took place, I was scared and I was afraid and I was thinking about, you know, okay, what if I never get a chance to play basketball again? Um, because of, you know, these unfortunate events or these unexpected um, circumstances that have taken place. And it was very challenging for me. And even after the season, it was a time where I was contemplating whether or not I was going to come back and play. I was just really thinking like, okay, yeah. you know, maybe I just go do something else. You know, yeah. maybe I just let it, let it go. Um, but I didn't, um, I, by grace, I was able to, was able to, um, to come back and play. Yeah. And that was, that was very, that was very exciting because I was able to see, going back to your question about adversity, I was able to see that I don't have to allow the adverse moments in my life dictate my decisions. But I can still move forward and I can still be a winner, even though it may not be the way I thought I would win. I can mm -hmm. still move forward and in spite of what I may go through. But those two injuries, they really helped me um, take the time to see who Joshua Langford was outside of basketball. And my red shirt year, my red, my, my red shirt year, the, the year that I, the extra year that I got. Yep. Um, I was I, I was in a master's program, and when I went through my master's program, that was when I began. That was also when I began to see like, wow, there's more to me than just the game of basketball, and you know those injuries, and then going through my master's program, it it really began to like evolve, or, or just it just gave me a new perspective on what what my life could be like. Yeah. Because for so long in my life, I felt like success meant me going to the NBA and me, you know, being, doing, having like a 10 to 15 year career 
and yep. then me retiring and then me being like a TV analyst and like for so long in my life, that 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 that's what I thought success was. But I only had those those thoughts because I didn't allow myself to um, step outside of the game of basketball and see, you know, who am I outside of what I do? And if I had to encourage like or if I had one piece of advice for students. Yeah. I would share with them that you are a person before you are a student. And so even though you're here to get an education, even though you're trying to pursue, you know, high level things in business or whatever, the, or wherever, whatever yeah. it is, it's very important to, to understand and, and realize and know that what you do doesn't define you. It isn't who you are. What you do is just an opportunity for you to express who you are. And so we all have different kinds of things that we can do. And we we all have different um, passions and we all have uh, different gifts that we can contribute to the earth and to human flourishing. Um, and they, we don't have to just limit ourselves to just one thing. Yep. Now I feel like sometimes in culture, you feel like you have to limit yourself to one thing, but you don't always have to, you don't, you don't have to do that. You know, you can be in business, but then you also could be uh, a pastor. You know, you can be in business, but you also could be, uh, I don't, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? So it's just so For many sure. things that you can do as a person. Um, but I think when you allow yourself to know that, okay, this is what I do, but it doesn't define me it gives you the freedom to actually step into all of who you can become. Because mm -hmm. I, I think life is, I feel like life isn't really about what can you do, it's more about who you can become. And so yeah. when you allow yourself to not be defined by what you do, you give yourself the freedom to really become all of who you were created to become. It's mm -hmm. almost like you let yourself out of a cage and you just let your wings just flap and you just yep. fly. It's really interesting to hear, like, after the fact, all, all this adversity that you've gone through, looking back, you're like, can learn from that. But mm -hmm. I'm sure during all of this adverse times, it had to be very challenging. But after the fact, you can kind of see it. I like that, that viewpoint, being able to understand it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just kind of want to follow up with, your final year playing basketball. What was that like? Was it, did you have, was it all that you dreamed of? I mean, COVID had a big impact on that. There was a lot of challenges, but did you enjoy the rest of your playing time? I did. I did because um, I got a chance to play again. You know, it was just kind of like, after those two injuries, I didn't know whether or not I would be able to play again. And so just the simple yeah. fact that I got the simple fact that I got a chance to play again, that was that was exciting for me. And that season was full of challenges. Like I would for sometimes, sure. not sometimes, but I tell people like that, that was probably that was probably more challenging than my injuries, to be honest. Wow. Because my injuries um, even though I didn't necessarily expect them, it was like I didn't have to, I was out of, it was like I was away from the game. And so I got a chance to step away from like the challenges, kind of. But in my my last year, it was like so many challenges, but mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to get away from the challenges. It was like I had, <laughs> I had to like everywhere. I had to keep going through the challenges and they were all over the place, you know? And then even the simple fact that that season was like a very down year for Michigan state basketball in general, not just, yeah, you know, not just us as players, but like basketball. So you had all these yeah. COVID and then I got COVID and then I had some challenges um, physically again, like, but they weren't challenges that could, that, that would stop me from playing. They were things that I just had to, keep going through because um, I was just coming back from playing. I yeah. mean, from not playing. And so I had so many different challenges going on. Uh, and so that was yeah. a very 
tough year, but it was a very uh, exciting year because I got to play. And I think this is – go ahead. I wouldn't say you guys had a down year. I mean, obviously from Michigan State standards, you guys probably had a down year, but you guys had some really big wins that year, and you guys were exciting to watch every game. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I would say that we had some, we had some really good big wins. We had Ohio State. We beat yep. Michigan that year. We beat Illinois, and we really put together some uh, good stretch. Together, yeah, a good stretch for sure, for sure. I was just saying, like in the in the grand yeah. scheme of things, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just kind of a testament to life where you can have exciting things happen, but at the same time, you can be having challenges too. But that doesn't mean that you aren't doing the right thing. And it doesn't mean that you aren't moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and then just sticking with the basketball topic, what was it like playing with playing for Tom Izzo? What was some of your favorite moments playing with him? Some of the, maybe a crazy story that you have with him? Yeah, uh, it was great playing for coach. Um, I always tell people that coach, he helped me with basketball, but what he really helped me with was um, like he taught me leadership. I was mm -hmm. talking to somebody the other day and I was just sharing. I was talking to them about coach and I was just saying coach is a, is like a great leader. And yeah. he'll tell people that he's not the best X's and O's coach. Um, but he what he does well is spend time with people and spend time with his players. And he really knows how to pull like the best out of his players. Yeah. And I just think that's, you know, that's a true, that's like, that's a true testament to a, a good leader, a great leader. And he is a great, like tremendous, phenomenal leader. And that's the biggest sure. thing. I, that's the biggest thing I learned from him, like sitting under him as a player, being coached by him is the importance of leadership and how to lead. And I'll give you a story that connects yeah. to this. So one, one day in practice, um, coach was frustrated with me and he would get frustrated with me a lot because he wanted me to, to, uh, to display more emotion and mm -hmm. he wanted me to be more vocal. He wanted me to be more outgoing just in terms of how um, I connected with the team. And this may have been my freshman year. And one day he was frustrated because I wasn't showing any emotion. And the, the basketball was like laying right beside us because he was talking to me and the ball was laying right beside us. He said, yep. you know what? I want you to take the ball and I want you to take it. I want you to throw it. I want you to throw the ball <laughs> to the other side of the court. I'm like, bro, I'm not about to throw this ball to the other, other side of the court. Like, what is he talking about? Like, he tripping. He's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. But he's like, no, I want you to throw it. And I did it and I threw it. And in the moment, I didn't really understand, but looking back on it, I can see how that was a moment in my life. That was a very in, uh, pivotal moment in my life. It may not sound like it, but personally, yeah. I know it was because what it did was it taught me how to um, express myself. And when it comes to leadership, you have to be okay with expressing yourself because mm -hmm. If you never express yourself as a leader, you will never be able to um, vocalize the things that need to be vocalized in order to bring the impact that you can bring. And so in that moment, yeah. I really, it was like a seed was planted on the inside of me to teach me the importance of expression because all great leaders, they know how to express. Expression doesn't mean explode. Yeah. But, it, but understanding how to express yourself is it's a very um, it's an essential skill that you need in your leadership journey. And when I say leadership, I'm not talking about being the leader, di the director of a program or being, mm -hmm. you know, a CEO. I'm just saying simply leading your leading yourself because all great leaders know how to lead themselves first. So expression is important with leading yourself. You have to be OK with expressing to yourself, how you feel. Yeah. And then you also have to be okay with expressing to others how you feel. So um, I would say I learned leadership from coach and how to be okay. a, a, a really great leader. Yeah. In that moment, it just seemed to all click. It all just kind of like planted the seed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't know that and, then. I didn't know yeah. that then. Then I was just like, yo, he tripping. <laughs> it's like the injury. Looking back, now you see it. Yeah. Um, but then after that, like, you're, you decide basketball isn't going to be your future. What, what made you decide – I want to pursue something else. And then what, what do you, what are you up to now? And what do you see yourself in the future doing? Yeah. So what made me decide that basketball didn't have to be my future was when I realized that it wasn't the only thing that I could be good at. Like sometimes I think in life because we maybe display um, or maybe I'll say, I'll say it like this. Sometimes because we are talented in one area, we feel like that's the only area that we can pursue when being good at something doesn't always mean you have to pursue that thing. Like I could be good at, um, let's say I could be, I could be good at, I don't know. Uh, shooting a jump shot. Shooting a jump shot. Yeah. Take me for example. I could be good at shooting a jump shot. That doesn't mean that I have to shoot a jump shot for the rest of my life. That could just mean I'm just good at it. Yeah. But being good at something doesn't, it isn't a requirement. Well, it is. But being good at something doesn't always mean that you have to do that thing. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about realizing that what you do doesn't define who you are. And so if you feel like you're good at something and you're allowing the fact that you're good at something to find who you are, it could potentially stop you from going a different direction that actually connects more with who you are. And so when I began to understand that, that gave me the freedom to say, okay, I can still be impactful and I can still be influential and I can still help people in a very positive way, even if I don't play basketball, because that's just one of the things that I'm good at, but that's not all of the things that I'm good at. And then that made that made room for me to apply for the role that I'm now in in the College of Business for the Multicultural Business Program as a program coordinator. Um, that made space for me to apply for that role. And now I'm here and now I have a chance to talk to people like you and now I have a chance to yeah. connect students and now I have a chance to really um, share my story and share the things that I've learned and give it to students in a way where they can they can get it and move faster than I did and they can be at a certain place quicker than I was mentally and emotionally and and uh, relationally so that their lives can can be healthy because I think like having a healthy life is a life that is full of fruit like you're mm -hmm. if you're healthy internally you know your job will be healthy your relationships will be healthy um all the things that are connected to you will be healthy and so that's what I do right now. I'm actually over student development and retention um, in the role that I have right now. Um, I do like do some advising with students. It's not okay. based upon education. It's more like life kind of yep. conversations. Um, I also I'm also connected with this program that we started my first year here called Multifarious. It's like a speaker series where we bring in different speakers and we talk. We have them talk to students about you know life and how to develop an understanding that, um, you know, you're more than just what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. And then also I'm connected with this initiative that we have um, that's called business teams. And so we created a space for students um, to develop a team to help student athletes get NIL deals. And so okay. my role on that is to be a life coach for the students and the student athletes as well. So to talk to them about awesome. kind of what we're talking about now, with yeah. identity and understanding that who you are isn't defined by what you do. As a matter of fact, I have two students sitting outside my office right now waiting. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so that's a little bit uh, of what of what I do. Now. Okay, and then along with that, is there any what's the best way for students to kind of reach out to you to kind yeah. of pursue that? Well, so you can first of all follow our program at mbp underscore dot msu mbp i think it's underscore dot msu okay. and then you can follow and that's on instagram and then All you right. can follow me personally at kingdom thinker seven that's kingdom thinker seven okay and then you could email me at langfo 36 at msu dot edu 
That's L-A-N-G-F-O-36 36 at msu.edu. Awesome. And we'll put that in this in the description below. Okay. Um, so p students can reach out to you if they want to reach out. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Josh, it was great having you on. Uh, just want to wrap up a little bit. Want to say thank you. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation and um, really enjoyed having you on. If you like thanks, what you just heard, please like, yeah. comment, and share. MSU um, WMA or Michigan State Wealth Management Association yeah. is a student-run organization students. part of Broad College on, of Business located in East we'll Lansing, Michigan. Okay. Our Thank mission is to one, inspire you and too. educate next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening on today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please check us out on our channels on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check us out on our socials at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com.